church. All right, it is so incredible to be here today. <laughs> to be able to preach about one of my favorite topics in the world to preach about, and that is victorious to the ends of the earth. You know, as disciples, God has called us to be victorious. He has called us to have a heart for all the world. And I love, love, love being here in Los Angeles. I love being part of this church because the whole world is here. Because the world comes here, and specifically in Long Beach, the slogan of the church, or the slogan of the city, excuse me, is the world comes to Long Beach. And we baptize them and send them back to the world. Amen? You know, I really want to take time to thank Marco for allowing me to preach today. And Bruce and whoever all made the decision. Um, yeah, I'm just going to try to hold it together here. It was asked, how did you guys come to this decision to move to the New York church? And how did you come to this decision to leave a ministry that you love? And... Um, and I can't answer it any other way because it wasn't what I planned to do. I was asked about a month ago to go visit the church out there and I went there totally not planning about anything and I told specifically, this is not an interview. I just want you to know. Can we, can we agree on that before I even buy the plane ticket? I just want to go and visit some friends and that's Larry and Mary Lou Craig and that's, yes, that's Brian's father and mother, amen? And, uh, and so we were like, hey, we'll just go visit. And we're not really thinking about anything. But as we went there and we came back, you know, we, we decided we really should pray because we told them we would pray. Um, but we said, it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take something, a miracle of epic proportions. Um, because I love being in Long Beach. And I love being part of Coastal L.A., and I love this ministry. This is an amazing, amazing ministry. And, and, and so I, uh, you know, we began to pray and we began to fast. And, you know, a few days into the fast, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm still not feeling it. I think I'm going to get off on this one. I think I'm not going to have to go. And then uh, I'm like, okay, but the fast isn't over. So we finished the fast. And at the end of the fast, I looked at my wife. I'll try not to trip on this. And uh, we looked at each other and we said, we have to talk to them. We have to consider this. Because God had changed our heart and, and opened our heart to really be willing to do what we felt like God was calling us to do. And uh, so we continued to pray. We went and we interviewed. And uh, we went ahead and made the decision to go. But I will tell you, it's the hardest move I've ever made. And I've moved a lot. I've moved, you know, from Minnetonka, Minnesota, nice suburb, to South Central L.A. That was my first move. And, uh, you know, South Central L.A., it was like, okay, well, we'd like you to go to Kansas City. I was like, well, that's not my first choice. But I feel called, I'll go. Went to Kansas City. Sean and I, you know, it was our first ministry job in 1999 um, as, a, as a married couple. And, uh, and then we went from there 
um, two and a half months later, there were some challenges in one of the churches. They said, look, we need you to switch roles. Can you go lead the church in Lawrence, Kansas? And so we were like, okay, Lawrence, Kansas. I have no idea what that place is or I don't know anything about it. But we went there and it was supposed to be one year. They said, okay, one year and then you're going to come back to L.A. and it's going to be awesome. Well, three and a half years later, um, we were asked, hey, would you be willing to move to Houston? And we're like, Houston? Can anything good come out of Houston? <laughs> you know, it's hot there. It's super hot. Anyone who went to San Antonio, you know what I'm talking about. And that was like a cold front there compared to Houston. And, and so it was, uh, it was a, a pretty crazy radical change. And, and for us to go, um, to go from there to Long Beach, and it was like, like Marco said, they had been praying. Ironically enough, we had just finished praying uh, as... Larry said, look, we got done praying. You know, I better call L.A. and tell them that, um, that I'm not going to come to L.A. Okay, go ahead and call them. So he called them. They just got done praying. And God made that whole thing very clear because after, after he said, um, no, I'm not going to do it, then Kevin Maine said, well, what about Stevenson's? And I was just getting ready to say, ask him about us. <laughs> and and, and he, he did it before we had a chance to even say it. So I didn't force the hand. That was God all the way, okay? And, uh, you know, two days later, we were in L.A. And two days later, we were hired. And uh, it's been eight years now. And it has been eight of the most amazing years of my life. Here we go, answering the call to Houston, Long Beach in 04. As you can see, the kids were tiny. Uh, we had no idea what God had in store at that point. We just knew we had a long trip. Um, you know, there's the kids. They'll go anywhere to do anything for Jesus, right? We need that childlike heart, don't we? You know, we moved into our house. And someone was helping me get the house ready. It was pretty much unlivable when we got there. Um, for anyone who remembers. You know, Summer was also in that action right there. And, uh, you know, her heart was, do what you have in mind, I'm with you heart and soul. And, and I just want to say, in this move... I've got to say, whenever you, the call is to go. If you're an elder, the call is to stay. Stay and build. If you're an evangelist, the call is to go. And so if you get married to an evangelist, any of you sisters out there, be ready. And uh, my wife is amazing. I mean, flat amazing. She uh, pretty much coordinated packing our entire house. We, we, we separated the duties and... Got everything organized. I was in charge of selling everything and get everything moved and everything pulled out and, and putting everything Craigslist that we were going to sell. And uh, I did all that work and she did a good chunk of everything else and had a zillion people over and I had other brothers over and in less than a week we packed almost our entire house. And, uh, and I'm so impressed by you, babe. I'm really, really encouraged to have an incredible wife like you. Some wives are, I'll go anywhere and do anything that I want to do. You know, I'll follow you anywhere I want to go. But my wife is, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And I'm fired up about that. And what I'm also excited about is my kids have had an incredibly courageous spirit about this. I'm so proud of them. It has been inspiring. I went to special time with my daughter and uh, 
you know, we went out, we were going to get my oil changed in my car, and that wasn't special. We dropped off the car, and we walked to the mall, and we walked into the mall, and I bought her a dress, and, and it was just this incredible time. She challenged me, Dad, okay, while we're in this mall, I want you to reach out to 20 people, and I'm going to sit and watch you. I just realized that earlier, because we bought an orange Julius, we sat down, we were talking, and I forgot to reach out to anybody. So, sorry, Summer, I was a bad example. I'll make up for it. Amen? Um, my son has had an incredible attitude as well. I've been so proud of my family. And uh, as this was not a small decision. This was definitely the hardest move I've ever made. And I've been so grateful to uh, have Marco in my life, and Michelle, and Bruce and Robin. Um, it has been amazing. And everything I prayed for, God has given me and more when we came here. And uh, so for us to leave, this is no small task, but we are so grateful for all of you and so thankful to get a chance to serve uh, alongside of you for the last eight years. Um, I probably would get into my lesson or I'm going to run out. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, God, for this time to be together. God, it has been so amazing serving in your church here in L.A., God, and specifically coastal L.A. Father, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for a chance to be able to represent you and to preach your word. And I pray that as I uh, preach the word today, God, that you would take me completely out of the way, that you would get the glory, that you would get the honor, and that you would let your message ring out and that it would be heard in a way that you want it to be heard. Father, I love you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Victorious to the ends of the earth. You know, the reality is that God wants to do amazing things. You know, obeying the Great Commission has been my passion since 1989 when I went to the Boston World Missions Conference. And at the Boston World Missions Conference, there was 12,000 disciples in the gardens. And as I began to watch what God was doing, and I saw church plantings going out, in fact, I think L.A. was sent out at that conference. If I'm not mistaken, it was definitely sent out that year. And uh, I just caught this vision. I think there was 15 churches sent out that year. I looked through my program just last night. And uh, it was just this amazing Amazing thing. And as a four-month-old Christian, I was like, what have I become a part of? What is this church? I've never seen anything like this. Oh, it's the church in the corner. We had building projects, but no more people in the the building. And so coming into this church and seeing this was really quite amazing to me. I'm going to move this up here, all right? Since I keep moving. Anyways. And so I was so blown away, and then it was so inspiring to be in San Antonio and to see 17,000 people in the AT&T Center. You know, after Mike preached on Sunday, I just went up to him in tears, just gave him a big hug. I was so proud to be a part of this church. So proud to be a part of a church that's literally changing cultures of people all around the world and changing people's eternal destinies. God is doing amazing things through us. And God is far from done. You know, as Mike preached, and many of you were there. How many of you were there, actually? Wow. 
A lot of you were there. Amen. You know, I saw and was reminded of the heart that we needed to have. That sometimes we can easily lose. And I know for me, you know, I think that God has been really working on my heart in a lot of different ways. And I think that uh, one of the things that I had begun to realize is there was a period of time where we had sent people to different places. And uh, quite honestly, it didn't go the way I thought it should go. And, uh, and, I, and I, people came back seeming more discouraged and, and less fired up when we sent them out to some of these different places internationally. And I kind of in my heart, without realizing it, without saying it, just said, I'm not doing it anymore. And I began to lose this passion. that I had gained 23 years ago and never thought I would lose. And uh, being back there helped me get my heart back. And so I, I don't really, you don't have to get my heart, but I want you to get God's heart. Amen? And so if you look in, in your Bibles, Isaiah 45, 22, we're going to go quick because I'm running low. Um, Isaiah 45:22 it says, "Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other." And Isaiah 52 verse 10 it says, "The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all of the nations of the earth will see the salvation of our God." And Micah 5 verse 4 as it's prophesying about Jesus, it says, "His greatness." will reach to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 13, verse 7, it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You know, God designed us to be a light. He designed us to be a light in a dark place. It should be no secret that we are in a dark place. You just turn on the news. You know, the whole thing, I was reading in the New York Times about that story of the guy who went into the theater dressed up as Batman and just started shooting people. Like 71 people was the last count I got. There might be something updated. 71 people shot, 12 fatally wounded. He got caught going back out to his car to reload his four guns so he could go back in and shoot more. Don't tell me Satan isn't alive. Don't tell me Satan isn't coming after people's souls. Don't tell me all those people that have been hurt or killed from that disaster. Well, I can't say for sure, but I don't think most of them are in a good spot. The reality is this. It's a spiritual battle out there. And it's a battle for people's souls. And when you make a decision to go into all the ends of the earth, you literally change people's eternal destiny. I want to ask you, is that your passion? God designed us to be a light 
in a dark place. A witness to the ends of the earth to proclaim His greatness. Do you believe that Jesus is great? He says, man, proclaim His greatness. I believe that the greatest thing going is a relationship with Jesus. Is a relationship with the Almighty Creator who made us and formed us in the womb exactly as He wanted us to be. I'm so grateful that He rescued me from my empty way of life 23 years ago and brought me into His eternal kingdom that will never perish, spoil, or fade. What if all of us had God's heart for our Jerusalems? What if all of us had God's heart for our Judea and Samaria? What if all of us had God's heart for the ends of the earth? I believe the Holy Spirit would be doing a dance. I believe you'd be doing a dance. And He'd be firing up His arms, waving. If He really had arms, who knows what He really looks like, right? But He's waving in the arms. He's fired up. He's got the victory going. The Holy Spirit's excited because He sees these guys got it. They figured it out. They understand what it's all about. Kind of like Rocky when he's running up the stairs. And he gets up there, na 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 yeah, I think the Holy Spirit's like, man, he showed his faith. na 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 Woo! Come on! Come on, baby. Come on, baby! Let's do this! Come on! Let's get it on, baby! Bam! Just shock Satan in the face! Thanks, brother. It took a while, but you got it. Amen. All right. I was trying to imp- improvise there for a little bit. I appreciate you jumping in there. Whew. I'm too tired. How do those guys go 12 rounds, man? I went 12 seconds and I'm wiped. In Acts chapter 1. Dang, I'm tired, man. I need a towel. I need Mickey in my corner. Acts chapter 1. I'm an old duffer. Let me see. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day He was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles He had chosen, after His suffering... He showed himself to these men and gave himself many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were so excited. This is what they had dreamed about. Is this really going to happen? Is it going to happen in my presence? They had heard the stories for years and years and years. Was it going to happen? So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father is set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as He was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking to the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Could you imagine that scene? Hanging out, you're talking to Jesus, right? Having a good talk. I'm feeling like this conversation is going pretty well. All of a sudden, he starts ascending. You're like, oh, dude, what's going on? Oh, reach out for me. Bring me up there. And he ascends. And so you're peering into the sky, and all of a sudden you hear this voice, Hello! Man, you're like, whoa, what's going on, man? It must have been a freaky scene. You've just been given a pretty serious charge. You've been given the charge to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, the reality is this. This charge isn't just for them. You know, given the charge to Jerusalem, that was the beginning. The Holy Spirit had charted the course. They said, here's how it's going to go down. First of all, we're going to crank Jerusalem. It's going to be smoking hot. We're going to see so many people become Christians. And then, Judea and Samaria. After that, we're going to the ends of the earth. So if you want to stay in step with the Spirit, if you want to be aware of what's going on, you better stick close. Because we are on the move. We are a church that is on the move. And guys, are you a church that's on the move? You know, I love what what Mike Tolliver said. Let us show our God that we are a movement that is still willing to move. That's willing to go anywhere and do anything for God. I didn't do that for dramatic effect. Not like Marco does. I got to do it. I'm good. Thank you. Dang, you scared me for a second. Thought he was going to Apollo Creed come to take me down. (laughs) You say, the first thing I want to talk about here is we've got to have our victory in our Jerusalem. You say, what does that mean? Your Jerusalem is where you are at. Their Jerusalem is where they were. They needed to have victories in their city. We gotta have victories in our Jerusalem. We gotta have these radical, God miraculous victories that just expose the greatness of our God. And it begins where you leave. It begins in your workplace, your neighborhood, your high school, your campus, your local Trader Joe's. You know, Don Hamptoni is a disciple, but, uh, I, I met her sister at Trader Joe's. 
And she was in there buying something. I was in there. I was like, you know, let me, let me reach out to her. Um, we went to her house. Actually, Sean and I went to her house. I studied the Bible with her. And Sean took notes. And then Don was kind of in the corner, kind of like, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? And uh, God, you know, her sister didn't end up becoming a disciple, but, but Don did. Amen? And now Don is, is an intern here. But I'm telling you, your, your own Jerusalem is wherever you live. It's whatever you're doing. It's your community. It's your personal reach out. It's what you're doing. In your neighborhood. You know, I'm really excited. There's a... Uh, a guy named Armando Diaz. I think he's here, right? Armando? Him and his wife are going to get baptized next week, which is really exciting. They're part of the MLA ministry. It's awesome. It's very encouraging. I went to his work and I bought a car from him like three months ago. And, and you know, I bought the car and he's like, okay, now let's gather and let's pray. So like, wow, this is serious. I mean, wow. I've never prayed with my car dealer before. So we pray with the car. <laughs> we pray. And uh, he goes, oh, by the way, I want to introduce you to this guy that I've been wanting to reach out to. I've been reaching out for eight years. I really wanted to become a disciple. And uh, he said, do you have a Latin ministry? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up with, you know, I'll hook you up with um, Sergio. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Sergio. Sorry, bro. And uh, so I gave him Sergio's number. And, uh, and now he was going to get baptized today, but he's waiting for his wife so they can get baptized together. And so it's so exciting, isn't it? It is so encouraging. But then I was getting a car. You know, God opens up opportunities. The Holy Spirit is constantly working. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is the main leading character of the entire Bible? And that every act of evangelism in the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. When you don't open your mouth, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. In Acts 2, of course, we see the church blessed with 3,000 baptisms in one day. God did amazing things. You know, campus, a campus girl is getting baptized tonight. Andrea Baca, where are you at? From Cal State Long Beach. Awesome. My wife's been studying the Bible with her amidst the boxes around her house. And it's been so inspiring to watch her heart and her heart, I mean, her desire to, to really hear God's word. She's been so humble and so inspiring to watch. You know, uh, there may be other, is there any other baptisms this week? Amen. Well, there will be next week. <laughs> right? In Acts 3 and 4, you know, the, the church is having these victories. There's all these baptisms. It's going, it's going amazing. But you know what? Satan doesn't sit back and go, hey, you know what? Oh, well, I tried. He goes, okay, I'm coming up with a plan. See, Satan knows his time is short, but oftentimes we don't. And so Satan knows his time is short, and so he will put into motion a plan to destroy us. And we see in Acts chapter 3, Verse 11 through 16, he wasn't just going to sit back and let the church do great things. Actually, let's just go ahead and skip to Acts chapter 4 for the sake of time. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. This is the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in who? Jesus! 
the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. And let's assume that there were 5,000 women as well. Maybe we shouldn't assume, but let's, let's at least think about that opportunity or that possibility, okay? And I think that, uh, you know, this is an amazing thing. Great things just happen in the church. Satan goes, okay, persecution. I'm going to stop him right here. I'm going to stop him cold. What if the church had been stopped? What if they had been rendered ineffective because of the persecution, because of the challenges, because of the difficulties they faced? What would be the end result? I mean, every situation impacts the next situation, doesn't it? Every situation impacts the upcoming generations. And so it's, it's a, when you think about this thought, what would have happened? They didn't have the, they didn't have the luxury of letting those things stop them. In fact, it seems like when you read the Bible, it actually fired them up. It actually inspired them. It made them even more excited. You know, when I was a college student, we had all these picketers outside of our church. And they were saying, you're a cult. Don't come here. Watch out for this church. And I was like, what is going on with all these people? Why aren't they a church? And uh, so we'd, you know, we'd give them cookies and we'd do all these things. We'd try to encourage them. And every person you'd bring, you'd be like, okay, dude, look. In a minute, we're going to turn this corner. And when we get there, you're going to see a bunch of people. So you have to have, this is the talk you have to have with every one of your friends who you're inviting to church. And so you've got to warn them and prepare them. But you know what? It only inspired our church. It only made us more fired up because we realized that anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. And we felt like, man, we're living a godly life. We're lifting up Jesus. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Letting get persecuted in my old church. But you know what? We can get prideful as Christians, can't we? As a young Christian, I faced a lot of opposition. As, an, uh, as a young Christian, I saw a lot of people go through hard times, you know, that was really hard on me as far as the guy who studied the Bible with me, even my minister who, can, who studied the Bible with me. Um, my mom became a disciple and fell away. And, and there was times where I felt like, what, what's going on? What's happening? People go, wow, God must have great plans for your life because you're taking it. You're taking some heat. And I was like, man, I sure am. But you know what? I didn't get baptized for any of those people. I got baptized into Jesus Christ. And so I wasn't about to let those people hinder my relationship with God. And we can't let what people do to us stop us from following and obeying Jesus. Amen? For about the last year and a half, I think I went through a pretty difficult time in my faith. And I shared about it earlier. Some of the things I was feeling. Lost of my vision. Got a little discouraged. I started just kind of not trying to crank the ministry anymore. Not trying to do as much. But just let me find a nice, comfortable way to do ministry. And and let me tell you, there is no comfortable way to do campus ministry. It's, It's either all in with your hair on fire. Or it's, you know just doesn't work any other way. And so, 
The ministry went through a difficult time, and I had to really uh, face some facts. And, and fortunately, I have great people in my life. And, uh, and, and people saw, something's wrong, Steve. You're not growing. Something's happening in your life that is not helping you to grow. And, and um, you know, I sat down with Bruce. I sat down with Marco. I sat down with Kevin. And they began to draw me out and ask me questions. And three hours later, God began to soften my heart. But I felt... Most of that talk, I felt like my heart is hard. I don't know what's wrong with my heart. But uh, I love this passage here in Acts 3.19. Because it says that repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Sometimes we try to get our refreshment from other people. And if they encourage us or if they look at us a certain way, we go, wow, I feel good. But we don't get our refreshing from God. And it hurts us. And I was hurting. And I'm so grateful that I have people like Bruce and Robin and Mark and Michelle and Kevin and Mary in my life who will sit down and kind of do an intervention and say, look, we love you too much. Something's going on. We've got to work through this. And I walked out of there feeling like, whoa, I feel so awesome. And it reminds me of a story. I was fishing with my son, and we were uh, fishing. Or he, Actually, I wasn't fishing with my son. That would be an inaccurate story. I was watching my son fish. <laughs> and uh, he was with his friend, and actually his friend had the rod at that time, and they had a treble hook on, that, on the hook. And I'm watching, and we're at the campus retreat, and they're on the beach, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we caught one. And I'm like, you caught what? I look out there, and they caught a seagull. So I'm like, what? They caught a seagull. So I go out there. I'm like, okay, I'm going out to get the seagull, man. I'm like, I can't leave my kids to do this. This is a job for dad. And so I go running out there, and I see the seagull. And uh, he's caught. He's got this treble hook, and it's caught in his mouth. And he wants to fly, but he can't fly. He can't get up any higher than the line will go. And so I go, okay, I'm going in, baby. I'm going in. I start to reach in. It's like, ah! He attacks me. You know, the beak is coming at me. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm going to get a different approach. So I go, I was a wrestler for six years. I got some moves here. I can do something. So, so I go in. I put a half Nelson on there. And, and, I, and I pin him down. And, and I hold his head. And I take the treble hook. And I pull it out. And then the seagull flies away. Not until he had attacked me and shattered me. And, uh, and my son looked at me and he said, Dad, he didn't realize you were trying to help him. And I think sometimes what we do as disciples is people are trying to help us. And you view it as an attack. <laughs> and you think they're coming after you. And you think... You think, man, they're just, they're just trying to hurt you. And all they're trying to do is get the hook out of your mouth so that you can fly. Wow. I never set my clock. I have no idea what time it is. Um... Satan will do whatever he can do to stop us from building our Jerusalem. 
He'll try to get you bitter. He'll try to get you discouraged. He'll make you fearful. He'll make you cowardly. And you won't share your faith at work. And you won't reach out to your neighbors. And you won't do the things you need to do in your Jerusalem. And so the idea of going to a, a Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth is not even on your, not even on your radar. Because you're not doing it at home. And I want to encourage you. You have a charge from the great God. And He tells you, go and share the great news about my son, Jesus. And it's great news. And we are a light to a dark and lost world. Let me tell you, if he would have got the church early on in Jerusalem, which he always tries to get things at the beginning, you know, it would have been a different situation for us today. You know, for the teen ministry, he tries to come at you when you're young. He's going to come after the teens. He's going to get in there and he's going to try to destroy you. He's going to destroy your hope, destroy your vision. For the young Christians, if you've been baptized in the last six months to a year, he's coming hard. And he's not backing down. He's out for blood. And he will not back down. For the college students, you got a rough time. We're in a, a society with a 78% divorce rate in California. Again, that means every, every 8 out of 10 students in our campus ministry have not had two parents. And I want to give you this charge, and I've said it to GLB many times. The campus ministry, it's awesome to build it strong. But if we don't have parents who want to model what it means to have family and to invite them into their home and say, look, I want to build my Jerusalem here and help these students, then we're going to lose them. That's my biggest concern in leaving. Not that I don't think the leaders are awesome. I'm not worried about the leaders of the campus ministry. You'll see them later, and they are awesome. But I'm worried. Will the older generation stoop down and realize that we are a multi-generational church? And we've got to pass our faith to the next generation. It has to happen. And you have to make it happen. One of the teens, uh, a good friend of mine I studied the Bible with about 15 years ago, his son was in the teen ministry and, and uh, Satan came after him hard and actually he, he made a decision to leave the church. And I got a phone call yesterday that uh, he was gotten in an accident, wrapped his car around a tree and died. I thought, you know what? It's a missed opportunity. He had salvation in his hand. And he let it slip away. Some of us are in danger of that. You come to church, you warm the seat, but you're really not in it to win it. And you've got to really wake up. We're fighting a spiritual battle. It's real. And it's raging as we speak. In Acts 8, we see... Uh, well, actually, I want to share real quick one more a story. Uh, there's a brother who we just hired as an intern, which I'm so excited about. His name is Lorenzo. 
In the past few years, his father died, his mother died, and his grandmother who raised him died. Now, you can imagine what that would do to anybody. But to a college student, that's even more difficult. And, uh, you know, he went through a rough time. Previous to that, um, really had been incredibly effective on the campus. And I've watched him battle and struggle and go after his relationship with God. And it's been so inspiring to watch him literally get back his first love. And to put his faith back in God. And to really trust that God will take care of him through all the challenges that he has to face. And, uh, you know, he had gotten his green card, which was really encouraging. And, and, but, but instead of living out the dream, which was, I want to do full-time ministry, you know, he went and got a full-time job. And then he got an expensive car. And then he called me and said, I can't be part of the campus ministry anymore because I have to pay for my car and i got to, you know, i got all these bills now. And I said, well, hold up a second. That's not what we talked about. You told me that as a non-Christian, you wanted to be a priest one day. And God has called you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And I said, look, you have a dream. And I'm not saying you're not seeking first the kingdom, but you're not seeking first God's dream for your life. I said, you need to sell that car. That car's way too expensive. You need to, you're a college student. You can work for 50 years. You get on that campus and you do what God designed you to do. And he called me the night before the, uh, the World Discipleship Summit. He said, can I come over to your house at 10 o'clock at night? And he said, look, I made a decision. I want you to hire me to be an intern. I'm going to quit my job and I'll get rid of the car. I just want to get my dream back for God. Amen? I was fired up! That was Lorenzo, and now he's going to be leading Cerritos Campus Ministry, which I'm so excited about. That's a huge victory. You know, he goes on in the victory in Judea and Samaria. And we've got to go quickly here now. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Once you've made a decision, I'm going to have victory in my Jerusalem. Then you've got to open your eyes a little bit wider and say, am I willing to go into a Judea? Judea or Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, I'm just going to go through this quick. They had just heard that Stephen had been stoned to death. The Jerusalem church had been persecuted. People were scattering but you say, did the Holy Spirit lose control? No, because guess where they scattered to? Judea and Samaria. Exactly on schedule. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I didn't lose control. I know it seems crazy, but I got this. God doesn't lose control. It's not like he's like, oh, I lost control. We don't serve a wimpy God. We serve this amazing God. And he completely controlled all of that. And it was so inspiring when you read it, and we're not going to have time to go through it all. But, man, just so amazing how the Holy Spirit responded and led them in the direction that they needed to go. Let me ask you this. Is it going to take, what's it going to take for you? Is it going to take 
the persecution to break out before you make any real decisions. I'm not saying you've got to go to a Judea or Samaria. You can do it right in your own backyard. And we talked about that in Jerusalem, but some of us, we got to, there's this whole southwest responsibility we have here. And there's a whole world that needs to be evangelized. We've got to ask ourselves, are we willing, willing to do these things? What will it take to get you to go to Judea or Samaria? You know, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by Louis Catunio going over to the MLA ministry and helping build that ministry and staying within the region and building it up, him and his wife. I'm inspired by the Plymouths leaving the, uh, the South Bay ministry to come over to Long Beach and help the campus. That fires me up. They went to their Judea and Samaria. They sold their house. They were willing to do these things. What are you willing to do? We can't even think about till the ends of the earth until we think about some of our Judea and Samarias. Derek Hinton. Sometimes he takes a little bit of heat in our campus ministry because he's like, I don't want to do full-time ministry. I want to do part-time. And I go, you know what? It's going to take thousands of Derek Hintons to evangelize this world. Who's going to go lead the churches of 50 and 100? A guy who's willing to work part-time and preach the word the other part of the time. If we're going to evangelize the world, these things must happen. It will not happen. I don't believe any other way. You know, I love that Elias and Rachel went to Ashland, Oregon. That fires me up. That fires me up. You know, I love that Tommy and Jessica went to the North Region to lead that ministry. You know, my wife and I had the pleasure, along with the Quints, to appoint them an evangelist, you know, about a month and a half ago. It was so inspiring. So inspired by all the students that went to Bakersfield, Fresno, Utah, and Tucson. Really excited about Ari Shapiro and Dakota Patella. Where are you guys? They're going to Tucson. Man, maybe they went there already. They're getting a jump on it. <laughs> Satan wants us to shut up, doesn't he? He wants you to just go, oh, it's too much. Just back off. Another mission, another lesson about preaching the word. When are we going to talk about something else? Well, when we evangelize the world, we'll talk about other things too. But this has to be a topic that is brought up. Or it will not happen. I love this. This, this attitude that the disciples had in the first century. They were passionate. You know, I love that Philip, Philip, after all the persecution, he went and, uh, and he preached the word and he followed the Spirit. And he went to Samaria and he preached the word where 11 years earlier the gospel was rejected. And he was effective, so effective that the, the main apostle had to come and say, is this really happening? And they went and checked it out. And it, sure enough, it was happening. And then Acts 8, verse 40, then he followed it to Caesarea, which was the capital of Judea. And he preached the word there as well. Let me tell you, God works through ordinary men who are willing to do extraordinary things. You don't have to be in the full-time ministry. You just have to be willing. And God will use you. I believe it with all my heart. Finally, after you've built Jerusalem and after you've built and gone after Judea and Samaria, then we have to have victory to the ends of the earth. In Acts 13, verse 7, it says, For this is what the Lord had commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation 
to the ends of the earth. You know, I'm so proud of our ministry. You know, I'm so proud, you know, that, that God used all of us to achieve the goal that we set out for. To uh, go ahead and, and make a huge difference through our special missions contribution. That inspires me. It fires me up to know that we gave over $500,000 so that we could plant these churches in Mexico and Central America. You know, that, that in this region, Joe and Annie Salippo have gone to Milan, Italy, and it's the, one of the most fruitful churches in Europe. And they have a vision to plant Rome in the next couple years. I'm fired up that JP and Carla went to El Salvador, and now they're in Baton Rouge leading that church. I'm fired up that Andy Fleming went to Birmingham, England. I'm fired up that Juan and Abigail went to San Diego and helped with the four churches in Mexico. I'm fired up that Sam and Portia went to Johannesburg and served for a year in the campus ministry there and grew the ministry from 7 to 31. I'm fired up about Hakan going to Ankara one day and preaching the word in the Middle East. I'm excited about DK going to Korea and Tiffany Poole going to Cambodia. I'm excited about the teen trips, the hope trips, and the brigades to Honduras and Guatemala City. That fires me up. I'm also fired up about one of the brothers who's serving as an intern who just got accepted into UCLA. And I wanted to read you his letter. This is just part of what his letter was. He says, in pursuit of happiness and a desire for greater virtue, I write this personal statement to declare my intent to make an impact on this world through the Latin community. I want to help those who cannot help themselves to speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. I want to help the Latin community. I want to help them by turning my once lost ability to speak Spanish into my strength and to help minister to the Latin community through my church. Ministry is my passion in life. Through the Spanish language, I will make an impact in this world. And through this, find happiness and greater virtue. And that is Hector Perez. Amen? That fires me up. By the way, Hector Perez is preaching once a month in the MOA ministry. So that's super exciting. So he's going to fine-tune his Spanish-speaking skills. Guys, let me ask you this. Do you believe that we can go to the ends of the earth? You know, I watched this little special with my kids the other day. And it was about Justin Bieber. Don't get me wrong. I would not have watched it if it wasn't with my kids. But he's got a tour. And the tour is this. It's called Believe. All around the world. And I'm like, what is going on here? He's filling stadiums of 300,000 people. And they've got beaver fever. And they're sweating and they're screaming and tears are running down their face. And I'm going, please don't tell me that these people have more passion for Justin Bieber than we got for Jesus Christ. Please don't tell me that. I can't hear that. I loved being in the AT&T Stadium with 17,000 people. That was awesome, wasn't it? 
But imagine one day we had to say, Justin, get out of that facility. We're coming to town. We got a conference, baby. Over. Because we got to make room for all of our people coming. Got to believe it. 1989, when I went to the conference in Boston, there were 60 churches in 25 nations. Our labor in the Lord has not been in vain the past few years. In 2012, going into the conference in San Antonio, we now have 610 churches in 152 nations. Amen? Our labor has not been in vain. God is doing amazing things, but we are not done yet. There are still about 50 nations waiting. And there is just as much opportunity today as there ever was for a person who has a passion and a desire to preach the Word. And we got to be fired up about what God is doing. You know, I love Mark and Michelle's passion and zeal for building God's kingdom. I know of nobody else with that much passion and zeal, a personal expectation of themselves to preach the Word as well as calling others higher. And we got to really think about, are we doing our part? Some of us need to be campus shepherds. Some need to give up your comfort. You know, face it, you're stuck. You're stuck. And you need to do something different. You know, you can't just let fear rule you. Some of you are empty nesters, and this should be the most evangelistic time of your life. And yet, it's like, whoa, where can I go retire? My parents have a retirement community. They stay in three, four months a year. And I'm like, I would lose my will to live here. I'm just like, I would go nuts. But we got to face the challenges that lie ahead for us as a ministry. Some of us got issues we need to work through. Maybe you need to join a purity group or go through a grief recovery program so that you can build your Jerusalem. But whatever you got to do, you got to do it. You got to humble yourself and get help so someone can help you. You know, Mike issued the challenge, and that was in San Antonio. And he said, if, if all of the disciples in our movement were to reach out to someone in three years, and they would reach out to someone in three years, that our church, by the year 2022, would be a million people, currently 94,000. So I picked a brother who um, is getting ready to apply to Caltech, and that's going to be his little Judea or Samaria, and that's Christian. And I said, Christian, we have 1,143 disciples in our campus ministry Run the numbers. What do we got? And this is what he came up with. Are you ready for it? In three years from now, if each one of us share with someone in, in the next three years and someone becomes a disciple, in three years, you got three years to do this. In the year 2015, we would go from 1,143 disciples to 2,286. In the year 2018, we would have 4,572 and in the year 2021, just right after our 2020 vision, we would have 9,144 disciples. That's just saying, I, want, I have three years to do this. Now keep in mind, you've got to reach out every day. But I want, you, I want you to understand, God can do great things. And it doesn't, you think, oh, it's going to make, oh, it's going to be so hard. No, it's not. We just got to be willing to do it. And I want you to, in closing, I want to share this. Winston Churchill's first speech to the House of the Commons three days after becoming Prime Minister 
This was the beginning of World War II. This is what he said. I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say, it is to wage war by sea and land and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. But without victory, there is no survival. And I believe God doesn't want His church just to survive, but to thrive so that we can have victory in Jerusalem, victory in Judea and Samaria, and victory to the ends of the earth. And we will stand before God one day, walking in the sounds of victory. Love you guys.